If you would turn in your hymnals to 762, we will do the responsive reading this morning of Psalm 30. And it's also on the screen. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down from the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Surely the Lord's anger is for a moment. The Lord's favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my death? if I go down to the pit. Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, good morning. I am Pastor Patty, one of the pastors here, and we're so happy you've joined us either in the sanctuary or online. I had the privilege to share Vacation Bible School with the kids this week. I was Rabbi Patty. Shalom. And I was amazed about how much these kids knew, the questions they ask. And something that I wanted to share was they made a goal to raise $500 for the Zoe Orphanage. Now that $500 will buy one cow for a family. These kids raised over $1,080. That will buy two cows and some change for something else. So I think they are phenomenal. But speaking of amazing, I had an amazing grandmother. Grandma Strawn was my mom's mom, and I have such sweet memories of her, and especially her oatmeal cookies they were to die for. But Grandma had a superstition that some of you may have, and some of you may say it's truth. Bad things happen in threes. I love listening to my grandma's calls to my mom. If mom would say, the toaster broke, then she would say, did you check the coffee pot? How about the iron? You know tomorrow we're gonna do it. And for some reason that got ingrained in me. So, 
when I get one bad thing, I sort of creatively try to get the second and third ones out of the way, you know, so we can get on with life. For example, we're doing a kitchen remodel work, and Adam Collins of Burns Brothers helping us. Now, he came to us and said, the dishwasher needed replaced. And I said, oh shucks, it's an old dishwasher. I'm real upset about that. So I looked at him and I said, how about the refrigerator? <laughs> he wasn't buying it and neither was Ken. So I said, okay. So we went to annual conference with Ed and Alicia and my car died. The battery died, twice. And I understand from Jacob, our intern, his did too. So that's two. All right, where's the third? Where's the third? No worries. Ken wrecks on his mountain bike and gets three stitches. Three, right? I'm so glad he helped me out there. So I'm not sure if David believed in this superstition, but in this psalm, did you catch the three things he talked about? First, David said that God did not allow his foes to rejoice over him. Perhaps that's happened to you. Maybe you took a stand for something and your friends didn't quite agree with it. Maybe somebody said something to hurt your reputation or just said something that really hurt. And it hurts more when it's family or close friends. It creates broken relationships and a lot of pain. Have you ever been betrayed or judged wrongly or harshly? How do you think Jesus felt when Judas betrayed him, a close friend like that? Do you think he was hurt? Do you think he was sad? Sounds like David went through something like that. Second, David talks about being healed. Now, it is thought that David suffered from a severe health condition which may have been debilitating. Commentary suggests that David may have had diabetes, arthritis, or depression. And for a warrior king, this is a sign of weakness and vulnerability that David would not want to show. Perhaps you are dealing with a chronic illness or a chronic condition that you've had to adapt your lifestyle to, or you're in chronic pain, the limitations are frustrating, and it can make you bitter. Some days just carrying on can be difficult, and some days you just can't. Third, David talks about being delivered from death. Again, this may be a life-threatening illness, but I think it might be grief. It may be grief that he wanted death to come, or it would be almost a relief. It could have been loss of a loved one, change in a job. You don't know what causes grief sometimes. It may be change in a relationship or something even your children or grandchildren are going through. You may be mourning or you may be just plain angry about what's happened. David experienced grief too. Loss of a friend, Jonathan, loss of a child, loss of relationships. And if you read the Psalms, David goes through many more types of pain and loss. So it's times like that God holds us especially close. 
whether we are angry with God or not. I want you to think a minute about a time that you felt God the closest. It was probably during a very difficult situation or something you were struggling with. We hope that we are close to God in the good times, but I know I've found when I'm grieving, I'm sad, or even frustrated, that that's when I'm closest to God. But there is hope. Verse five says, weeping will last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So let's talk about how that's possible. I wanna remind you of the creation story for just a minute to prove that it does happen. Genesis 1, 3 through 5. Could we have that screen? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Did you notice that there is evening, and there's morning? There's not morning and then evening. There's evening and then morning. That's the rhythm of creation. And throughout all these stages of creation, there's six of them, it was evening and then into morning. You've all heard the saying, it's darkest before the dawn. Well, that's God's creation. That's how he does things. And have you noticed how morning comes? It comes slowly. The sun gradually comes up over the horizon, over our high country, until it is fully lit. I want you to catch a sunrise one morning and watch it. That's how morning turns to joy. Weeping turns into tears of gladness. It's a very slow process, taking one step at a time, a time for healing. And we must let that, he that time happen. Any nurse or doctor will tell you a deep cut takes longer to heal than just a scrape. So here are some steps, and actually there are three that I'm going to give you to help you begin your healing. First thing is be kind to yourself. Be patient with yourself. You wouldn't hurt like this if you didn't care, if you didn't love that special person. And please don't say, I should have enough faith. That's not helpful at all. You remember the centurion who said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief, Mark 9, 24? God knows you well enough to know your faith and is willing to be with you regardless of the amount of faith you think you should have. And please don't gauge yourself on someone else's doing you don't really know how someone else is dealing with things. To be kind to yourself, maybe you could read a good book, take a walk, do something special just for you. Take a moment or two to bless yourself. The second thing is be honest with God. Henry Nouwen in his book, Turn My Morning Into Dancing says, when we come to God with our hurts, Honestly, not superficially, something life-changing can begin slowly to happen. We discover how God is the one who invites healing. God knows how you feel. 
no matter what you say to him, no matter what you pray. So be honest, be open. Watch what happens. God has big shoulders. Remember, you're a child of God and God doesn't mind anything that you tell him. And third, be willing to take just one step toward healing. Just one step will be fine. It may be to do something for someone else. Coffee with the pastor is always good. Jeff and I like coffee, in case you're wondering. Somebody asked me at 8.30 if we like donuts, and I went, duh. It may be to hug a child, show love to someone, pray for someone. Just do something for someone else. God will give you the ideas. And pretty soon, one step leads to more steps, and the healing continues. And, I rem- and remember what I said about it'll take a long time to be patient with yourself. I have the privilege to know someone who is walking by faith through a very serious illness. Her story is amazing, and I'm very proud to know her. And I'm going to ask Julie O'Keefe to come up and share her story and how her weeping is being turned to joy. Good morning. As Patty said, my name is Julie O'Keefe, and I certainly have experienced recent weeping that turned to joy. The past 10 months have been a crazy time, crazy scary time, but the pastors here at BMC have been so faithful to me and given me a lot of love and support and all their prayers. So when Pastor Patty asked me to say a few things this morning, I knew it was because truly they have experienced this challenging journey with me by my side from the beginning. I am a nurse, and for a reason, speaking in front of people is not my thing, but I felt like God God be the glory, and I could stand up here in front of you today because of the strength and the courage that I, I gained from Him and tell you all the ways that He has worked in my life and how He took me from weeping to now pure joy. In 2018, I was diagnosed with a really rare cancer. It's called ocular melanoma and starts in the eye. My doctors told me there are two issues with this cancer. Number one, we have to deal with the tumor in the eye. And number two, this cancer spreads in 50% of people. And if it spreads, it will go to the liver and the lungs. I opted to have my eye removed as that was the best treatment for my eye. But unfortunately, that would not change the chance of it spreading. Because this is a really rare cancer, there were no treatments that I could do to prevent the spread, so I had to take a watch and wait approach. I was cancer free for three and a half years, just getting biannual scans every six months. But this past September, I went in for a routine scan and they found one lesion on my liver. At that time, I obviously experienced all the emotions. Having gone three and a half years with no sign of anything, I thought I was going to be okay. So I experienced immediate terror, fear, sadness for my seven-year-old, anger with God, confusion, and I felt blindsided. At the end of October, I decided to have the tumor removed, and all went great. The surgery went well, and my recovery was extremely smooth. I was hopeful again, but as you can imagine, the fear was always present. 
By December, I started having major signs and symptoms again, and in my heart, I knew that it was back. So in January, I insisted that I go in for repeat scans. At these scans, it was determined that I now had 15 to 20 tumors in my liver, so I immediately started a, trial, a clinical trial. Once again, I experienced all the ups and downs of the emotions. I began planning my own funeral in my head and made notes about what I would say to my son and the lifelong advice I would give him. I was on the clinical trial for two months and I experienced an, an incredible amount of physical illness. So on my 40th birthday, at the end of March, I went in to be rescanned, and at that visit, they determined that the clinical trial wasn't working, and approximately 40% of my liver was infected, and it was now in my lungs. I had two new spots in my lungs, so I prayed about it constantly and made a difficult decision to leave the trial, as it was clearly not working, and I also took a leap of faith by God's guidance and left my current doctor. I began searching for a new doctor, so I reached out to some of my fellow ocular melanoma friends and was introduced to, a current doc to my current doctor in New York. The first meeting I sat in front of this doctor, I knew that I was in, in incredible hands and, if this doctor truly, and that this doctor truly cared about his patients. So it was in that meeting that my doctor told me we would start a new treatment plan and I felt an incredible amount of hope. I had so many people praying for me people that I knew, people that I didn't know. I had people messaging me, constantly calling me. And I have someone that sends me an anonymous note every Wednesday with an encouraging message and a scripture inside. So Jonah and I check the mail every Wednesday, and there it is. I started receiving an immunotherapy infusion every three weeks, as well as receiving radiation delivered right to the liver which required four surgeries in about eight weeks. My doctor was very honest with me and told me that the immunotherapy infusion was only a cure in about 15% of people, and it came with great risks, but after many prayers, I felt guided to go for it. As soon as I started the infusion, I felt an immediate relief from symptoms, and after two of the four surgeries, I went back in for scans. I was obviously terrified and dreading it, but of course, always feeling the presence of the Lord, Emmanuel. So on June 6th, I went in for my report, sorry, for my repeat scans, and on June 9th, was told that the doctors had never seen anyone respond to the treatment plan as I had. The majority of the tumors in my liver had dissolved, and the two tumors that were in my lungs were completely gone. No trace of them. I had no doubts that for whatever reason, the Lord laid his hands upon me, and just as the prophet Isaiah says, he took my illnesses and bore my disease. It was obviously an incredible update as I wasn't sure I would ever get to this point. It was and is pure joy. He guided me along the way, carrying me during the dark times and sometimes nudging me along and celebrating and rejoicing with me during the good news and the blessings that he delivered. The life that we live is tough, and we all have our challenges. I would encourage you that when you are experiencing one of life's bumps in the roads, that you lean on Him, lean on your faith, and draw strength and courage from Him, and rejoice the joys. Because just as Patty says, He is holding you close. And weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Thank you for allowing me to share my story with you.
And if you haven't noticed, Jonah is acolyting for us today. I like you checking that mailbox every Wednesday. That's all right. What a story and what a witness. David said at the end of the psalm, verse 10, Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. It is through God's help that we have our weeping turned to joy and our mourning to dancing. Henry Nouwen says it's a matter of giving up control and trusting God, not yourself. Let me repeat that. It's a matter of giving up control and trusting God, not yourself. This morning we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper. And I want you, as you receive that meal, think about that one step and give your grief and your pain to a loving Father who sent his Son just for you. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for being with us today. And Lord, sometimes life is really hard, but we know that is when you hold us closest. Be with us now as we celebrate the meal that showed how much you loved us. Amen.